Welcome to the Sonic Shaman Show, home of the Coffee Connect and Conscious Connections. The show is dedicated to empowering you to perceive, know, be, and express your unique voice in this world without the fear of judgment of others through healing, coaching, and educational services. In each episode, Hank and his guests offer tools, techniques, and inspiration to help you step into your potency. Now, here is your host, Hank Settela. Hello, everyone. My name is Hank Suttala. I'm the Sonic Shaman. And today we have a special uh, broadcast about trauma and spirituality with my dear Wilka Nuna Wakuchai, which means dear sacred soul brother that has uh, shared this path of the Pakokuna tradition of shamanas with me and has such a rich uh, history to share around this topic. So welcome, Matthew. And if you'd like to just kind of introduce yourself a bit and uh, so we can all get to know, well, they can get to know you a little bit better since I've known you for half a decade already. <laughs> Has it been that long? I think so. You're in the program for the third time around. That's at least four years. So I'm going to say probably five because we knew each other a little bit before the program. Uh, something like that. I don't know. Time is relative, right? Right. So uh, my name is Matthew Stewart. Um, I, like King said, I'm a member of his tradition of the Pacocunas of the Peruvian uh, flavor, I guess. Uh, I identify myself as a shaman. Um, I am actually currently in a master's of social work program at Cleveland State University. My goal is to become a holistic psychotherapist. So um, this really kind of feeds into everything that I want to do. I want to work with people with trauma just because I have such a storied history of trauma myself. Um, to be honest, I'm actually hesitant to share because I share this on my Facebook and I'm kind of private about how I react to this to my family. Um, so, well, let's let's talk about Timmy today. So there's plausible deniability. Oh, okay, yeah, Timmy. Yeah, Timmy's a <laughs> Timmy's a child who had a a lot of pain in his life, and he feels like even though he's gone through these experiences and he's been a victim for so long, he feels that there's room to grow and there's ability to be more than he was. And really, Timmy's thankful grateful that he had these experiences because if we talk about soul contracts you know uh soul contracts are agreements we come into in this world uh to experience right before we're born so for example someone's soul contract says that they want to experience loss and perhaps as a child they experience the death of their father but as humans we lose sight of what those soul contracts are so it's, it's really hard in the moment to differentiate between a traumatic event and a soul experience. So in my case, or in Timmy's case, <laughs> 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 so hard not to do that. So in Timmy's case, oh. uh, he was, uh, he thought he was sexually abused by a family member when he was 11 years old, but come to term, turn out that when he was moving to a new place, his mother uh, told him that he talked to the person who, um, committed the abuse and he said that it was actually six years old and that made everything okay because if a 10 year old does it that means that everything's fine so timmy's been struggling with that when he's you know going into a new program and um it really hurts because he wants to grow and be bigger than his trauma but there's new information there's re-traumatization there's living close to home and interacting with family so the whole point is that as a traumatized individual it's important not to be a victim but to be faithful with yourself and the fact that you can be victimized so hank do you know the difference between being a victim and being victimized is i can't say i've ever uh, labeled them i haven't really thought about it to be honest so why don't you tell us what the nuances are so so there's a victim mentality, right? So someone who thinks, oh, poor me, I'm hurt, I'm abused. And what comes with that is the ability to avoid really dealing with the problem because you can take the victim stance and say, oh, look at me, I was hurt. I don't have to deal with my problems, you know, hypothetically speaking. So, but being victimized means that you were a victim of something. So you can be victimized by an event or a series of events, but still choose not to be a victim. So it's moving past a mentality of, you know, everything's about me. 
especially when it happens as a child, because as a child, we don't know the difference between the self and not the self. It's, you know, biologically proven, mentally proven. So uh, it's important to really understand that there's healing that needs to be done in order to become a person. And as a child, when this happens, there is a lack of identity formation. So finding out who you are outside of the victim complex can be challenging because uh, if you don't have a sense of self, how can you really know who you are, right? Mm. And uh, I feel like trauma is so pervasive in the spiritual community because uh, having these experiences really starts the questioning process. Like, why did this happen to me? Why did I go through this? How can I overcome it? So, right. And of course, I, I, I'm an advocate of that question, why has it been your experience that sometimes when people are, are saying why to the universe, that can be start to create a cycle because the universe understands energy. And if you're saying why did this occur, it may give you another experience of that same energy again. And uh, I, I like the question, like, what, what energy could I be or what could I do to create a different possibility around this as opposed mm -hmm. to why? Yeah. Um in terms of that, I actually spent some time uh, working with the uh, occultic energies. So, you know, working with spirits and energy manipulation and um, lesser beings and entities and channeling. So I have kind of a storied history in the spiritual world. Um, some good, some not so good, some heavy, some light, as we say in the tradition. <laughs> um, I lost where I was. <laughs> That's all right. It, it will come I back. So, I got so excited that I forgot what was going on. <laughs> Um, so I was talking about, help me out, Hank. You were talking about victimize, victims and victimization, the nuances of the difference. And then that when you look back at it, like looking at, well, why did this happen? Why did this happen? And how do I overcome it? Nope. I lost it. You lost it? Oh, I lost no. it completely. So, uh, <laughs> well, I was talking about being in there, um, in the occult and, you know, part of that came from a place of pain. Um, when I was in the occult, it came from really uh, longing for acceptance and belonging. And we create these realities in order to experience something that we miss or we need. Um, so having these experiences can really set the tone for our life. And you said that we create re-traumatization if we seek out these experiences. And uh, I had that experience where uh, the universe was trying to wake me up. And I call it the cosmic baseball bat because I just imagine like I'm walking down an aisle of bookshelves and there's the universe sitting behind one of them. It's got a baseball bat. And it's like, come on, come on, come on. And then it just swings and cracks me right across the skull. And I'm like, okay, I'm awake. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it was definitely a, uh, a, a very, very acute one. It, it happened very quickly. Uh, and, I feel like a lot of the power can come from a place of pain, but right. it's moving past that pain and finding the power underneath it that really can bring you a sense of wholeness. And out of curiosity, because you, you had so much going on as a child, I myself had all kinds of traumas growing up from between violence and other things, but the, but also getting into addictions when I tried to medicate uh, partially my gift and awareness and also just from the, all the different experiences that happened, was there something that uh, that that gave you that spark to actually start to change? Because there's some people that get so down the rabbit hole of victimization and being a victim that it's really hard for them to choose something different. And like, what's the starting point for someone that's really in the thick of their dark night of the soul? I think the the want to change has to come from within. Um, there's I've had a thousand people in my life tell me that I'm hurting and I found comfort and safety in the hurt because, you know, I was being a victim. Uh, it took, I think, the wanting of love in my life and the wanting of things to just not be the same anymore. And it's, it's a hard choice to make because it's moving outside of however many years of this pattern that, that um, the person has lived in. So making a conscious choice is um, difficult, but I'm not sh I don't know if I would say that it was spurred on by anything. It was sort of just a, a wake up and I'm like, <clears throat> excuse me, it's like, I wake up and I think that this isn't what I want. 
um, I, I kind of reflected and I looked back and I wasn't even doing a lot of meditation. I was just, it was just a slow series of events in my life that made me realize that this isn't all it has to be. So uh, having that awareness and moving past it um, came very tough. Uh, I spent, it was 23 years old when I had my spiritual awakening and it came off the back of the, uh, I threatened suicide to a friend. And um, at the end of it, I was like, well, why haven't I ever attempted suicide? Because I'd been suicidal for 10, 15 years at that point. So uh, I was like, why had I never attempted? And I came to the conclusion that, well, something probably wants me here. And then that led to ideas of grandiosity, which led me down to <laughs> thinking that I was married to the Roman goddess Minerva. And then I thought the, the god Hades had cursed me. And at the very thick of it, I was having a seizure in the bathroom at Cleveland State for my undergrad in the middle of class. Because, like, excuse me, I need to go process something. I go into the bathroom. I sit down. And all of a sudden, my body starts shaking. And I'm just being racked with this energy. And really what it was is it was all myself. I know that it's not – it may not may or may not be common for people, but – um, for myself, what happened is that I was so ingrained in my own self and my own pain and my own path that I lost sight of everything outside of me. And my my um, my universe was manifesting itself from myself. So all of these entities that I was communicating with were actually fragments of myself. So <laughs> it was interesting that in a way to find acceptance, I was you know, abusing myself through these entities that were created from my subconscious. Great. It's really, uh, I know that when it comes to entities and things like that, it can be kind of a, a far out concept for people, but I've said on many of my streams that you're the only one in the room and so am I. And everything that we perceive and allow into our life is somehow a creation from our other than conscious or subconscious or uh, from somewhere in the totality of our being is being created from that. And you can change any of that through starting to work on your inner work because that outer world that's being reflected or created from that starts to shift and your experience starts to shift. And then it becomes a, an upward spiral of possibility instead of that downward rabbit hole of uh, trauma and drama. Yeah. Um, oh. And I do. Oh, do you have something? No, I was just going to mention if you have comments or questions, you can certainly put them in the chat and uh, we'll be happy to respond. And I also want to throw out that uh, a little bit later in the broadcast, uh, Matthew's going to be doing an exercise with us uh, to help uh, move through some things. So I just wanted to throw that out there to encourage people. If you uh, stick around or if you can't take the whole stream, make sure to come back and catch the replay because there's going to be a energy process that Matthew's going to do for us. No pressure. No pressure, no pressure, unless he changes his mind and then... No, of course not. I, you know, I follow through with my promises. Yeah, and Mary Lee was just offering that suicide of a cousin spurred her to change. And I've had a, a couple suicides in my life as well. My grandfather had committed suicide and it, it definitely changes. Um, when something like that happens, it causes a lot of uh, reflection and things of people's choices to do that. It can really be a motivation for changing your life. And the, yeah, the, for Timmy, the, the boy who was sexually abused, um, it was, it was weird because it took him until he was 19 years old to realize that what happened was bad. He thought that this is just something that happens. This is what everyone's experienced this because psychologically as a child, there is no experience or any concept of the other. So as a child, everything we experience is through is because of us you know um so i learned that in my social work education uh so developmentally we're not at a place where we can really differentiate between something happening that is our fault and not our fault and it becomes a whole world so especially as a child these things can become so prevalent in our lives and there's actually an, an amazing study done it's called the aces study so ACE stands for Adverse Childhood Experience. So you think about uh, some of them are sexual abuse. Um, there is mother of an alcoholic. There's witnessing domestic violence or the child of an alcoholic, I should say. Uh, experience witnessing domestic violence, physical abuse. Um, 
as others, but they actually showed that people who score um, seven out of 10 on this quiz have a reduced life expectancy of five years. Hmm. So when you think about that, what does that really mean? What do you think that means, Hank? I don't know what that means. It means, I guess, that um, if you, the more you put things weighted to victimization, trauma, and drama, the less your soul's going to stick around if you're not going to move through it and start to live your authentic voice. But I'm just rambling that off. I don't really know. <laughs> well, I can't, I can't speak from a, from a data point, but my understanding is that, that victims can obsess over this so much that they're, there's actually physical responses to trauma. If you think about PTSD and fight or flight, um, as a survivor, or as a someone who has PTSD himself, there is a feeling of unsafety almost all the time. So I'm just kind of like constantly just there's this little tingle, this little anxiety that pervades me all the time, and that takes a toll on the body because my body is devoting resources, it's devoting energy to processing and being in this state and it takes me out it's my heart's pumping faster my brain is you know is addled with this thought so really the key to this is to move past it but i've been in therapy or timmy's been in therapy for three years so <laughs> there's a lot of people who talk about in the spiritual community that says that they say that talk therapy isn't the greatest but Honestly, I think that talk therapy is the greatest place to start and supplementing it with a spiritual practice of healing. It, um, it really can make a big difference because for people that are constantly thinking about this stuff and in a place of safe in a unsafety, having just that little bit of something to let it out and talk about it. Because uh, if you don't really talk about it, it's just always going to spin and spin and spin in your mind and your body and your energy. And people will feel it and it'll go off of that. And really having a chance to really express it and be validated is number one. Yeah. And I myself, I went to therapy for a number of years, uh, even before I got into IOP, which is intensive outpatient program for the, the height of my drinking and everything. And it was paramount. But I would also say that if, if you're going to be looking for someone to do that type of counseling, all counselors aren't necessarily created equal. I found an amazing counselor through a group called uh, Laughing Creek, and they had a spiritual center on the other side. I didn't even know about it, but they had the Center for Holistic Energy and Applied Metaphysics. And my therapist was trained in all these holistic things, and I didn't even know uh, the skillful application of some of these concepts that she was using at the time that just really benefited me. So the, there's a lot of counselors and talk therapists out there that may have some of these other additional tools that can maybe take the stigma of attack therapy not being effective off the table and, and really create a, a wonderful starting point for people. Yeah, my, uh, my therapist is actually my biggest spiritual guide. She is very into, no offense to Hank or Zane. Uh, oh, but... man, look at this. <laughs> That's fine. But I see her weekly, man. Come on, it's not fair. So <laughs> she's actually in tune with the, the energy and the spirits and all that stuff. So it's like she understands me. And since my spirituality is such a large part of my life, if I didn't have that, I mean, I've had therapists in my life that were kind of, one of them was uh, a devout Christian. So when I talk about entities and, you know, she's thinking, oh my God, the devil. Um, <laughs> so, and then another one, it was a man who was my intellectual equal and he was finally excited to have someone that he could talk to. So it was kind of like, it was just really all about him. And the important part of being in a therapy situation, a therapeutic alliance with someone, is that there has to be a focus on the client. So, yeah. um, and that's something that can be hard to do for people, for uh, a practitioners that have trauma. I know that in my spiritual healing, the ones that I've done for people, I seem to attract the people that have the same thing going on as I do. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's sort of like, am I manifesting these situations so that I have a way to vicariously work on myself? Because yes. I take, it's, <laughs> it was hypothetical, Hank. So, uh, But I, I do believe that works that way to some point. I have, most of my clients have uh, issues with addiction or drinking or have had gone through similar traumas. And it, it seems to be that. Well, one to twofold. One, it's giving me opportunities to work on me. And two, I think vibrationally, they know that you have the medicine that they need. So I think it's a, a two-way thing that creates a polarity where these things come together and, and just work themselves out. 
yeah, the law of attraction really does exist, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it does. What from the oneality, but I think in this case, it's like opposites attract and like attracts. Like there's like two polarizing forces because there's the duality truth and the oneality truth. But that's a topic for another broadcast because <laughs> <laughs> we could go really deep and we start talking esoteric stuff. So uh, bringing it back to uh, trauma. So uh, someone said in the chat that uh, people who are victims have trouble recognizing their power. That's uh, absolutely true. These uh, the victims of trauma don't, you know, it, uh, the whole world becomes consumed by the experience. So, you know, being consumed with that, you're a person is giving their power to that experience. So there's less power that you have to give to others to give to yourself, and that comes in the form of love, in terms of energy, in terms of thought, in terms of, you know whole holistic experiencing it, it's it's being drained and the thing about that is that giving power away is a choice it may not be a conscious choice but it is a choice and we can always choose to do something different a question for you because i like for me when i went through my counseling and everything i actually at that time i was self-paying but say someone that doesn't have a lot of resources maybe they don't have insurance and they are looking for starting their path on healing are there places where they can go to get like some sort of talk therapy that is for people who might not have a lot of resources there's um there's definitely uh there's a lot of therapists in the cleveland area uh, i'm not sure if everyone watching this is local but uh there are a lot of therapists at least in the cleveland area that offer sliding scale payments so you can work out a uh, a fee scale that works depending on how much you can afford to pay. Uh, I know that I'm thankful. I'm lucky to be on Medicaid, so all of my appointments have no copayment. So I'm able to see my therapist as much as I need without any drain on my resources. And being a student, that's very helpful. Uh, I know that that's not always going to be the case, but uh, I'm very thankful and grateful for that. But um, I can't operate as a therapist because of my current licensing state. So um, I'm sure, but uh, there are people who are willing to, I mean, find a trusted friend, find a family member who is willing to just listen. Uh, really the most powerful thing that a counselor does or a therapist does is create a space, a physical, energetic, emotional space that you can talk and be safe. Uh, there's actually uh, a statistic that I read in my book that 60% of the healing in a therapeutic relationship comes from the relationship between the client and the practitioner. Think about that, 60%. I could be doing CBT, I could be doing DBT, I could be doing uh, you know, ACT, I could be doing any number of interventions. But if I don't have a relationship with my client, there's gonna be nothing that happens, no healing. Right. And, and really finding that the, the person that you really can connect with. Ernie offers something. I, I know NAMI stands for something that's related to mental health, but he was offering too that group meetings can help. And so if, I'm sure NAMI has a website that people can go to and uh, take a look and see what's available for that too. I know my mom used to volunteer. My mom is actually a psychologist. She went to school and, uh, for psychology. She didn't really put um, put it to a lot of use, but the education that she had and the ability for her to volunteer for those groups was really uh, gave her a lot of uh, things that she could focus on, even though she didn't officially step into that role. Mm -hmm. oh, cool. So there is a Hank. Have you ever heard of the term spiritual bypass? I have not heard it that way. Subconscious bypass. I have heard where um, something that happens oftentimes in meditation or, or hypnosis. I don't know if it's the same thing or not. Uh, do you want to explain what that is? Subconscious bypass. If you're ever in a meditative state where your consciousness goes somewhere else, and you receive on a whole different level, your consciousness can't get away, uh, get get in the way, and then afterwards you think you were sleeping, perhaps, but you really weren't. Uh, Tom Crassley calls it subconscious bypass, where you went so deep into an altered state that your ego, edging got out, gets out of the way, so that the total being can receive something. And even if you don't have the conscious knowing of it, that experience can start to have a ripple effect and change the whole course of your life that's subconscious bypass yeah that sounds like the process of hypnosis oh well, kind of is <laughs> yeah so it's a little different um so spiritual bypass is uh it was talked about by a theorist who works on like the different levels of awareness or i can't even remember if i have so much theory class um so basically the concept of spiritual bypass is that 
people use spirituality to avoid thinking and feeling their problems. So I've seen a number of people who throw themselves into their spirituality, into meditation, into um, shamanism, into the occult, into spirit work, into spirit lovers, into all these sort of things to avoid working on themselves. And I even see it um, for reference. Um, I work in a, what's that? No, I get it now. Like I, I, I'm, ah. I'm totally feeling like where people are putting so much effort into something, but it's really a defense mechanism not to deal with the actual stuff. Mm-hmm. in a sense so i work in a substance use substance abuse treatment facility in a in the cleveland area and 12 step is really popular there and i see a lot of clients that say oh i'm just going to give it to god or oh i'm just gonna stay busy and i'm like well okay so what happens when you can't give it to god what happens when you have idle time what's your brain gonna do what's your energy gonna do you're going to obsess over it. You're going to go right back to it. And the inner work, the shadow work, the, you know, the inner processing, the inner child healing, these are all very important parts for people who have trauma because there is a necessity of working on the self because the self is what is hurt, not necessarily, you know, if we focus on the outer world, we're not doing healing on the inner world. And while folk, and you know, and while energy from the outer world is important, if we're not doing the inner work, we're never going to get better. And making that commitment to do that is difficult. It's very hard because it involves, like I said, moving out of that space of safety and comfort and going into a place of discomfort. My therapist has told me a hundred times to move, to lean into the discomfort because in the discomfort, there is, you know, no one grows through being comfortable. If you're lifting five pounds, five pound weights uh, every day, you're never going to get stronger. You're going to reach a point. So resistance builds uh, strength. And the spiritual muscle, the emotional muscle, these are all muscles, and we have to train them. We have to do resistance training. And not doing so is really a disservice to your own energy and your own existence. Um, Well, obviously, it is a choice, but making the choice to do better is something that takes time and it takes an understanding that it is possible. It reminds me of uh, something that my friend Ryan Dean would say. He would say that the ego's job is to keep you safe and the ego will manipulate you into choosing the same old patterns over and over again because it knows you have survived it. It would rather you relive your worst day than step into a new possibility because that feels uncomfortable. It doesn't know the outcome. And that is uh, an acronym for ego, which I, I like to say is edging God out. You're, you're sep- you're, it's part of the thing that keeps us separate from everything. And then we kind of self-dwell. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, well, you know, I know a lot of people have talked about absolving ego, getting rid of ego, and really that's not the key to being human because anyone who doesn't have an ego doesn't exist in this plane. If you don't have an ego, ego is fundamental to the human body. It exists in the structure of the brain. Well, it may be a, you know, an energetic actor, it is still part of the brain. So if we get rid of ego, we become a spirit, we become a light body, and we can't exist and interface with the human world. Yeah. And even though that, you know, the crap, <laughs> you it's go fine. ahead and say something, Hank. <laughs> no. well, I look at the ego, if, if you think of the analogy of oneness being the ocean, and we are but a drop from the ocean, the ego is the container that holds a drop. It's like the water balloon skin, if you will, that keeps that allows us to have an individualized experience of divinity. And without it, we lose our identification as something separate from all there is. And that's the whole point is to be able to have this interactive play on duality in this kausai Pacha, a field of living energy, as we say in shamanism, without the ego, you can't be in this world of manifested energy. Yeah, there's, um, you know, what's the difference between someone who's crazy and someone who's gifted, right? Point of view? I don't know. That was a hypothetical <laughs> question. I, uh, there, is a, there was an interesting discussion I had on a community that I'm in, like, that, pe- that the shamans of the indigenous peoples would be uh classified as schizophrenic or psychotic and if we think about you know how how does that work are we really are are these people really insane or is anyone who has psychosis really insane or are they just perhaps overwhelmed by the spiritual world but science doesn't have a way to explain it so we label them as you know we label them with pathology 
Right. So it's finding comfort and peace within that insanity to interface with the world at the same time. Faith was offering a comment. Let me put it up here that if you can withstand the discomfort of quitting substances, the brain will eventually recover and learn how to find comfort and happiness in the little things again. And I can tell you, it took me a year being sober. I, they call it white knuckling. I had not done any of my inner work and I was just like dry, not sober. And it took a year before I actually started to have uh, some little glimpses of, of uh, light in my life around things, but it did, it took time uh, and a lot of staying the course and actually acting opposite a lot of the tools that I'm sure that they, they use in uh, therapy now, nowadays. Acting opposite was key for me. If I felt like not doing something, I would go out and do something. I would act opposite no matter what I, I felt. And the, the key to that is differentiating between light and heavy energies. Is the resistance heavy because it is not, you know, the soul doesn't want to do it? Or is the resistance heavy because the ego doesn't want to do it? And it's choosing what's best in the moment for that time and that experience. That's a really, really good distinction because when we ask that question, light and heavy and access or in shamanism, Hucha and Sami, having the point of view is like, where am I getting my response from ego or, or spirituality? You could get two completely different answers because if the ego is creating out of fear, it might want you to choose something that isn't in the long term great for your soul growth. So what, what do you do? Like phrase the question very very sneakily or how to work around that or differentiate what answer you're getting. So it, for me, I can only speak for myself, but when I am doing this and I am feeling succumbed by ego, the only thing I can really do is open my sacred space. I do my ritual. I call in the nature's beings. I, I find a safe space. I calm down. I breathe, you know? Um, so I play my drum, I do my rattle and uh, getting out of the head, getting out of my head is really step one. Uh, I can be so consumed by thought that I forget what it's like to be to be me. You know, experience what's in the body, uh, do a grounding meditation. All these things help. Um, it's different for everyone. It's different for how obsessive the mind is. Um, I have a very overactive mind. Some would call it ADHD, anxiety, bipolar disorder. Some may call it I'm just very spiritually active. I have a lot of energy. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's a really good distinction, opening space. And that that's something too, that's almost like anchoring. And one of the things that I did when I started a meditation practice is before I would even start just three deep breaths and then I would settle in. And when I was working at the bank and I was in the trauma and drama of people from being victims of Hurricane Katrina, calling in for help, having these crazy stories, and I would be knocked off my, my center, Three deep breaths was enough to bring me back to that state of meditation because it had created an anchor space, just like opening sacred space brings you back to the space of whatever you experienced when we were in the shaman program and mm -hmm. you get more, more centered that way. Yeah. It's, it's connecting an experience to something you are connecting, finding a way to connect to an experience you've already had. Is that what anchoring is? Yeah. Well, and NLP speak it is. Yeah. Cool. Or so, Pavlov yeah. dog and the tuning fork would be another example of anchoring as outside stimulus response creates a, a different thing because the dog was used to getting fed. That would be a more uh, psycho psychological view of anchoring. And I was actually uh, the last class I taught um, for my internship yesterday, we talked about uh, patterns and behavior cycles. And I was trying to get at the fact that we have rituals for the habits that we have. So for example, um, I use CBD and I use a vape for it. So last night I was like, you know what? I don't even need to vape tonight. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I had a pretty good experience that night. I processed some trauma. Um, so what I did anyway is I do my nightly routine. I got my vape, got my tray out. I ground up the, the herb. I put it in the vape. I packed it. I put it in. And then I didn't use it. And all of a sudden I felt this huge anxiety because the body is like, hey, you're not doing it. Why aren't you doing it? You started the ritual, but you didn't follow through. <laughs> so it's it's creating a ritual, but also following through because we have an expectation. And the expectation can create a different reality. Right. Just like Pavlov's dog with the tuning fork, the dog thought it was going to get fed and then it didn't get fed. And they salivate anyway saying, hey, you didn't go through with it. Very real-time personal example. And that transcends the ego too. That's That's a body process. Yeah, that's an important distinction too, to take a moment and recognize that the body and the being are two different things. And oftentimes we're so out of touch with our body, we don't have a communion with our body that our 
being and our body are creating in opposite directions. And what can we do to start bringing those two things together so that we're really creating with all of us instead of just part of us? Yeah, the um, it's hard to get out. So for people who have trauma and have the mental energy devoted to it, it's harder to experience the body because the body is what experienced that abuse. The body is the victim, really. So how can we, so it's harder for a victim to be in the body because the body is always re-experiencing that feeling when it's in a sense of unsafety. So there are also tools to calm the body, you know, weighted blankets, breathing, because if we're not being fair to our body, we're not being fair to ourselves. When we think about the triad of being, we think about mind, body, spirit. And the body is often neglected because we aren't aware of the emotional state of the body. I actually had an amazing experience that I felt into the emotions of my body. And I realized that it had a different emotional existence than I did. Hmm. My leg was sad. And I was like, leg, you're sad? I'm feeling sadness from my leg. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> That's a quite a mind, oh, oh, an eye-opener of how the body would be like that. I know there's a couple tools that, um, just to speak to, Patty Conklin, she's a medical intuitive. She came up with a process called color works, where you're asking, like, what color vibrationally does my body need to shift the cellular memory? Because her point of view was that all these traumas that we experience, all the resentments, the times that we're bullied, the times we're playing the victim, all get stored in the body as cellular memory. And where you store that cellular memory is where things eventually physicalize. And to just to run the energy, what color, what frequency does my body need to take this from a 10 to a four or a, kind of like an EMDR technique, if you're familiar with that, and to start just flowing that and having the awareness that the second you start to flow the energy, the energy that might be needed for the change will shift and to be in the allowance of in a constant energy change or to put it in layman's terms, what flavor Baskin Robin ice cream does my body need to heal? And just as a representative of how many different flavors of energy there might be and to allow that to shift as often as it needs to during the process. Yeah, and really, that's just a visualization technique, you know, it's yeah. what does the body need? It's it's sort of the answer is irrelevant because energy is intent. So it doesn't really matter what we give it as long as we're giving it in a way that it understands. So right. for someone person, it might be a color for one person. It might be the thought of a food. It might be a breath. It might be anything. So just really listening and tuning into the body is uh, step one for the healing process. Yeah, because energy flows where your attention goes. And so now that you're giving your body the intention, now what? how does it need to show up? And it could even be a, a tone because I'm the, the sound guy. So oftentimes it's even a frequency that can start to shift, uh, mm -hmm. start to shift everything. Yeah. Ernie Benz offers every cell in the body has a memory and a consciousness. And so the question becomes really, what can we do and be to start to step into communion with the totality of self, the totality of all that we are at all levels of being. And when we can tap into that, we can really start to create amazing things. But let's see, we're at about the 38 minute mark. And I know you want to do an exercise. Are you feeling that this is the time or is it too much pressure? You don't no, have to do it. Today's no, right now I was thinking, um, I wish we would have set a time ahead of time or set a specific time ahead of time. So people could tune in if they wanted to just do the exercise, but well, well I just, I just found out you wanted to do an exercise when we talked right before going live. So I didn't know, <laughs> but that's the beautiful thing about YouTube and this being on Facebook, people can uh, tune in anytime. And we can even put in the comments that if you, Hey, if you want to do the exercise, go to the 40 minute mark. And that's where, uh, that's where Matthew starts to do this energy exercise. So what we're going to do is I'll throw up a banner. So people are watching randomly that haven't been watching the full broadcast that they will know uh, what's happening. And I'll focus the camera on you. Anything you want to um, create the context for before stepping into the exercise? So what I call these is I call these shamanic journeys. So the, the core definition of shaman of a shaman is someone who enters an altered state to work with the spirit world. That's the classical definition of shamanism, the academic. So there's different ways to enter an altered states. There's, you know, there's mind-altering drugs is one of them. So you think of ayahuasca or San Pedro. Um, there's also the, which, you know, is illegal in America. So, you know, <laughs> uh, there's cool. also the uh, breath work is one of them. Drumming, um, dancing, 
sleeping, hypnosis. Uh, and really what that purpose of that is, is to step out of the human experience to manifest the reality un or, um, uninterrupted by ego. So the shamanic journey for me is really more of a guided visualization. So if you think of the guided meditations that you might listen to on YouTube or any other uh, media app, uh, it's all about bringing the awareness to the self and moving outside of the humdrum of the daily life. So I'd like to get started here. Um, All right. So if everyone could find a comfortable position. Become friends with your chair. Become friends with the surface that supports you. Really feel that surface underneath you. Become aware of your body and really get to know it. For people that have trauma, we may spend so many hours of the day in our head. And what does it take to move past that? A good place to start is just by breathing. So start now by closing your eyes if you have not done so already. and begin by taking a deep breath in, holding for a moment, and breathing out all that tension. Breathing in love, light, and joy. Holding, making friends with the space between the breath, and breathing out. Breathing in one more time. Feel the space, feel the emptiness, the anticipation. And breathing out. So now focus on the gentle in and out breath, the gentle traversing of your trachea into your lungs from your mouth or nose a gentle cascade of air entering and exiting your body. Allow your awareness to become obsessed with it. Let nothing else intrude on that experience. And just sort of listen. Feel into your body. What are you experiencing? What are you feeling? Is there any part of your body that feels tense? And now imagine that you are standing in a luscious forest in your mind's eye. If you are not able to visualize, just pretend. And you are standing in the middle of this forest on a path, a trail. And the trail extends in front of you. And you start to walk, taking gentle, easy steps forward. And allow anything you experience to be what you experience. Become very open and receptive to whatever you are about to experience, see, feel, or hear as you walk forward very gently. And you take note of the scenery around you in your vision. And you feel the energy, the air around you. You feel it on your skin. Perhaps there is a gentle breeze blowing and you feel the cool air rushing over your skin. You feel the pine needles or the, the leaves underneath your feet, perhaps crunching under each step. You can smell the beautiful air of this forest. 
making this experience as real as possible. And you come across a little clearing in your path as you walk. Imagine that you come across a clearing, and in, the, in this clearing there is a bench that has a light post next to it. And behind that bench there is a small pond of beautiful, pristine water. And you walk forward, and you take a gentle seat on this bench, feeling the hardness underneath your body. Make it real in your body. And you look up at the street light above you and it turns on, but it does not blind you. You can see the light. The light sees you. And you become aware of a presence behind you. You know this presence has a message for you, but you do not turn around. You allow this presence to come up behind you, and it places a gentle hand on your shoulder. And you feel the connection between this presence and you, and you know that it's someone that you can trust. Breathing in, centering yourself in this moment, and breathing out. You place your hand on the, sh on the sh hand on your shoulder, and you feel what this energy has to offer you in this moment. Is there a message you have to receive right now? Focusing on the breath if you get two in your head. What words of wisdom do you need to hear? What feelings do you need to feel? And you notice that the light surrounding you from this light post is actually a healing energy and it sucks all the heaviness out of you, evaporating into the light, leaving your body as you ease into this moment. Then the voice speaks to you and says, Come with me. And you feel the presence walk away from you, and you stand up, and you turn to look at them, but they are crowded in, or they're clouded in shadows. And they walk into this pond, and you notice the bench and light are gone. So you walk forward, following this presence. And you seal yourself. This water is new. This water is scary. You know not what will happen, but you trust that if this presence behind you has gone before, 
then you can too. You gently put one little toe in the water. And you notice that it doesn't hurt. It's not too cold. It's not too hot. It's just right. So you take a step forward into the water. And another step. And another. And then before you know it, you're waist deep. And you get ready to hold your breath, but you trust the experience. You trust the guide before you. And when you find yourself submerged in the water, you find you can breathe normally. And you walk down to the middle of this little pond. And you notice the shadowy figure in front of you. And you take a deep breath in. And you prepare to blow the shadows away. On three, one, two, three, blowing the shadows away. And you notice that the figure in front of you is you in the future, a future version of you, unburdened by what is heavy on your body, mind, and soul right now. And he looks at you, and they look at you, and you look at them. And there is a quiet acknowledgement that the being in front of you is within reach. The being within you needs not suffer. That the being you are can become more than it is. You ha and you ask this being any question that you wish, and you know you will get a truthful answer. Take a moment now. But unfortunately, as time is running short, It is time to come back to this world, my friends, my brothers and sisters. So you reach out and you hug this being. And some of its energy, some of their energy, enters into your body and integrates fully. The one piece that you need to know or have to become that version of yourself. And you allow yourself to experience any changes in your body. Taking a deep breath in. And out. And now you come back to the body that you live in. The beautiful shell of your existence. Wiggling your fingers and toes. Maybe stretching your arms or legs. Maybe a big yawn. And when you open your eyes, just notice three things within your vision. Welcome back, my friends. How was that for you? Amazing. Uh, we had one person that messaged me privately that was loving it, but they got a call and they had to go on a job. So they're going to come back and uh, do the whole exercise a little Thank bit you. later. I love that rattle, by the rattle. way. I got it at Enchanted Grove in Willoughby. Very cool. So for those of you who uh, watched and enjoyed the entire thing. If you have any comments about your experience, if you'd like to offer anything, uh, please go ahead and make that. We can certainly speak to that. And before I forget, if you want to connect with Matthew outside of the stream, well, one, in January, he's going to be doing a virtual um, 
meditation through emergence of being and we're going to have all that posted very soon i yeah. think january 15th ish is going to be the date. 30 to 45 minutes and, to an hour uh, instead of just the 15 it'll be much much deeper work yeah and then uh, if you want to connect with matthew on facebook it's uh, facebook backslash moses gnosis and that's g-n-o-s-i-s if you're catching this on itunes on the replays or whatnot it's facebook.com backslash m-o-s-e-s g-n-o-s-i-s uh, for his um, for his Facebook and on his YouTube channel, if you just search for Katari Paco, K-A-T-A-R-I, Paco is P-A-Q-O, you can find Matthew's uh, YouTube channel where he does all kinds of additional uh, work and makes it available uh, for you too. I have about nine or so meditations on there. Um, I also have a song that I sang in a little rant that I did when uh, my uh, stuff got triggered and no one showed up to a meditation. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, some of all I've had some great reception for my experience or my journeys and I honestly the people is what makes it worth it the energy and um, it's better to experience it live because there is this group dynamic that we create a container of energy everyone that's participating and we all it amplifies everyone's experience so really catching it live is the best yeah and uh, faith just offers a heart of gratitude. Uh, Matthew, or not Matthew, Michael, Magic Mike, saying thank you, Matt. He was uh, tuning in as well. And I just want to share one story too. Like if you haven't been able to tell already by watching how Matthew interacts with us, he is one of the most authentic people I've ever met. And during the shamanic apprenticeship training, we had opened it up for the students to start uh, doing the opening ceremony and Matthew was courageous and did it for the first time. And the ceremony that he held was so beautiful that it brought a couple of us, including myself, uh, to tears. And one of our teachers in spirit, one of the lineages, uh, uh, in the, one of the teachers in the lineage in spirit now uh, came through to work with Matthew. So really embrace that because it's not often that you find someone willing to be truly vulnerable, truly authentic. And that is sometimes the best medicine for healing. Yeah, the uh, people that are, are have been hurt have a tendency to withdraw. And I realized that by withdrawing, I'm not doing myself any service. And I realized that through my experience and through my sharing in circles that I've been in, uh, you misspelled trauma, Hank. Oops, where? Where did I do it? <laughs> in the little banner. Did I do it? Oh, well. <laughs> you did. Wait, where, which banner? The shamanic journey? No, oh. the a talk with trauma or whatever. No, nah, it's not important. I just. Well, I, I didn't say. Sh oh, no, I didn't put shaman. I just put a talk with Matthew Stewart about trauma. About trauma. Or did I tram Oh, I get it. Oh, man. <laughs> That's why I need someone like uh, watching all my spelling things. But, you know, I come to. Pukli Iwakuchai. Pukli, if you didn't know, means play. And it's it's the same word you would use for kids playing with a soccer ball as you would use for the sacred game of life, the sacred play called the uh, Pukli Iwakuchai, I'll Pukli, the game of life. But anyway, you can go on now and Pukli Adi some more. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's important is, is sharing. I, I noticed that in circles I've been with, when I shared my experiences, I get, I get the deep head nods. I get that people lift. Their experiences are so vicariously there. They feel them themselves. And, you know, my work is other people's work. And if I can be a model, if I can show people that it's possible to heal, maybe that gives them the inspiration to heal as well. And I think Absolutely. that's my most beautiful medicine is the ability to be who I am. Awesome. Even if I don't know who that is. But I want to thank everyone for tuning in. I always try to cut these just under the hour mark because then I can also upload it to Instagram TV. So if you follow me on Instagram, you can watch the replays also at Sonic Shaman528. And I'm sure uh, from our interaction, I'm hoping that Matthew wants to come back on and we can have more dialogues around other topics in the future. Oh, absolutely. I have a, a plethora of knowledge. Awesome. Except, but thank uh, you. Finding the words to speak about that knowledge <laughs> comes hard well, sometimes. Well, I think we have established that there's an interplay that we can create where I think it works out when you don't have the words, something happens and then you do have the words. So it's all, all good work. My friend, mm -hmm. my Wilka Nunawakuchai sacred soul brother on this Paco Kuna path, but everyone seriously, thank you for tuning in. If you're going to watch it on the replay, please uh, click the link in the description, go over to YouTube. That's the best place to watch where Google and YouTube think we're relevant and will service organically to more people. Feel free, please subscribe and like videos, all that stuff. 
shows relevance and we can reach more people with this amazing message of healing and change for the world. But goodbye, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today for the show. The Sonic Shaman is part of the Emergence of Being Contributor Network. Visit emergenceofbeing.com to learn about all the contributors and learn about our services and upcoming events. Please take a moment to subscribe to the channel. You can contribute to the show by supporting our efforts and sharing our content with those you care about and those who need it most.